Hey friends, I'm Ashley. Hey you guys, I'm Lainey. And this is Haunted Real Estate. Welcome back to the Tales of the Triangles. We're here with my lovely co-host and sister, Lainey. Hello. Lainey, uh, we've all been very sick this whole Christmas break. It's been very annoying. So I couldn't research, I couldn't record, and then I got better, and then Lainey got sick. And now she is on the mend, and we know we're late in episodes, so we're going with it, nasally and all. Yes, I am ready to go. All right. So last week we left off in the Everglades. After talking about the infamous murderer Edgar Watson, uh, we talked about some missing persons cases that are still open today, and there are many more. Uh, The Everglades is an easy place to go missing. And then we talked about the myths and legends of skunk ape and alligator men. So today we are expanding out further into the triangle. So the Bermuda Triangle probably does not need to be introduced as it's one of the most mysterious areas on Earth. Its points making up the triangle are Bermuda, Puerto Rico, and Miami. So those points are pretty loose. Like we said in the last episode, they can expand out past those areas. Those aren't like the exact points. But it looks like any other temperate ocean, but has far more missing ships and aircrafts that have been recorded or also not recorded because they've literally disappeared in maritime history than any other region in the world's oceans. Since 1930, there are 300 325 missing planes, over 325 missing planes, and over 1,200 ships that have just disappeared, crashed, or sunk in the Bermuda Triangle. Most of these disappearances are not due to storms or other natural events. The weather is fairly normal, and it can be day or night. I mean, it doesn't really matter. And far too often, there are no distress calls, wreckage, or bodies found. And that's what's even more wild, that today we have major technological improvements that should prevent aircrafts and ships from mysteriously disappearing. But the Bermuda Triangle has bested technology many times over. The Bermuda Triangle has also a sister triangle, if you will. Uh, It's the Dragon's Triangle in Japan. Why is it a sister triangle? Because it is within the same sort of latitude areas and has a lot of shared occurrences. But That is a conversation for another day. We'll save that for another Tale of the Triangles episode. So let's hop into the mysterious Bermuda Triangle, shall we? We shall. You're so quiet today. It's weird. (laughs) Well, I'm super nasally, so I'm trying to be quiet. (laughs) Uh, So the first story is what drew the Bermuda Triangle uh, to the world's attention. So the first story we're going to talk about today is the mysterious missing flight 19. And this is not just one missing aircraft but five. Oh, wow. So this is what really put it on the map for everybody. So the day was September 5th, 
1945. This was the 19th flight that took off from the Naval Air Station in Fort Lauderdale, Florida that day. So this was just a routine training flight. This training exercise was called Navigation Problem Number One. This naval base is about 20 miles north of Miami and 40 miles from the Everglades. Like I said, there were five torpedo bomber aircrafts that would be flying also in a triangular formation, which I did think was kind of weird. Each plane had three Navy men or Marines, except one plane that had two people. In total, there were 14 amongst five aircrafts. All servicemen were experienced with at least 350 flight hours under their belts. The crew on this day was led by Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor. He was an experienced pilot and a veteran that had several successful combat missions in the Pacific Theater during World War II, so the man's knew what he was doing. The flight was first headed east from the Florida coast to do bombing runs. Then they were going to head north over the Grand Bahama Island before going back to their base. There is a map of this and we will post it in Instagram so you can see. Uh, But if you look at the map, it's also all connected by a triangle. So like I said, you can find that on Instagram so you can see the flight pattern. But in total, it was supposed to last two hours and 15 minutes and cover 123 miles. Like the previous 18 flights that day, everything started out normal and smooth. The flights took off at 2.10 p.m. with enough fuel to go 1,000 miles. And again, this was 123 miles. So they were scheduled to arrive back around 4.23 p.m. and the fuel could last until probably 6.30 p.m. The weather was fair, no storms or anything out of the ordinary, Uh, maybe slightly higher wind speeds than average, but again, not storm winds or anything that made this a dangerous mission. So the first bombing run was successful, so then they turned towards their next destination. So it was 3.50 p.m. that day when something started going wrong. Lieutenant Taylor started to become convinced that his compass was malfunctioning because they were going the wrong direction. Out of all five aircrafts, Two were certain they were headed west, but all five aircrafts could not agree on which direction they were going. Like literally, are we going east? Are we going west? They didn't know, which that is freaking scary when the compass is just going haywire and you have no idea where you are. So a nearby pilot, Lieutenant Robert Cox, was flying near Fort Lauderdale. He was completely separate from this mission, but he can hear he could hear the pilots through the radio system discussing the compasses and which direction they were going. And Taylor was ad- addressing... Uh, one of the other pilots, Jay Powers Jr. So Robert, Lieutenant Robert Cox con- contacted them, and this was their exchange. Cox says, planer boat calling Powers. What's your trouble? Taylor, both my compasses are out, and I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm over land, but it's broken. I'm sure I'm in the Keys, but I don't know how far down, and I don't know how to get to Fort Lauderdale. Cox. Put the sun on your port wing. If you are in the Keys, fly up the coast until you get to Miami. Then Fort Lauderdale is 20 miles further, your first port after Miami. The air station is directly on your left from the port. What's your pressure altitude? I'll fly south and meet you. Taylor, I know where I am now. I'm about 2,300 feet. Don't come after me. Cox, Roger, I'm coming to meet you anyhow. So Cox started flying towards the Keys to look for Taylor as he was flying towards where Taylor thought he was. Uh, The reception got more and more staticky, so that indicated that Taylor was probably not in the Keys, flying towards the mainland, but likely further away. So the next message from Taylor was at 4.25 p.m. heard by Post Everglades Rescue Facility. Taylor was ordering one of the other pilots. 
He was ordering Powers to lead the flight northeast, assuming that Powers had a functioning compass. So this was Taylor trying to get them over Florida Bay to the mainland. But since they weren't located where they thought they were, it's now presumed that Taylor's team might have actually been flying over the Bahama Cays, which was east of Florida, not the Keys, which is like south of Florida. So they were not flying towards the mainland, most likely. But we literally have no idea where these flights ended up. So this is just, we guess they were over the Bahama Cays instead of the keys. Were these flights carrying people? No, these were just bombing runs. So each plane had two to three people aboard. Four of the planes had three people. One plane had two. Got it. This was through the military, which is even scarier because they have a lot of tracking devices and stuff like that where, you know, it's not just an individual flight out over the ocean. I mean, this is five planes. So what we think happened is that Taylor mistook the Bahamas as the Florida Keys. So this would completely mess up his sense of direction. So when they thought they were south of Fort Lauderdale, they were actually northeast of Fort Lauderdale. So the logs from the military showed that the pilots did start to panic once they've been flying northeast for 22 minutes, which they should have at the very least seen land, if not been directly over land. But they were still over the ocean, which didn't make any sense, which is also proof that they probably were not over the Florida Bay at all. At one point, you can hear Taylor and Powers start to break into a disagreement about which direction they should be going. Uh, Taylor told them to move two degrees east, feeling like they were too far north. But again, he thought they were in the Gulf of Mexico. Powers presumably thought they were over the Atlantic, which would make Florida west, not east. It's heard over the radio, and we think it was power saying, damn it, if we could just head west, we would get home. And less than two minutes later, at 5.11 p.m., so they were already supposed to be back at this point, almost 50 minutes before they were supposed to be back. Taylor and Powers are clearly arguing on the radio as to which direction they should be flying. You can hear power say, we are now headed 270 west. Then at 5.15 p.m., Taylor says, we will head 270 west until we hit the beach or run out of gas. The radio reception did not improve over this time either, which indicated that they probably were never heading back towards the mainland. After 6.05 p.m., Taylor insisted they were over the Gulf of Mexico. And if that was the case, if they were in the Gulf, this would put them deeper into the Gulf and only further from land as well. Uh, So those that were stationed at the base no longer trusted the equipment on the flights. It seemed like nothing was functioning properly. Those are the base sent beacons to the homing devices on the planes, which were not detected. So during the final hour of this flight, the messages started to become very garbled and full of static. And you can hear Taylor's voice very broken up saying, Powers, come in Powers. Hello, Powers, trying to reach you. What course are you on now? So we know at this point they had become separated. And that last message was at 6.37 p.m. and was the last time we ever heard Taylor's voice. Then the final message was heard at 7.04 p.m. by Joseph Bossy giving his call sign, Foxtar 3, Foxtar 3, Foxtar 3, which came in very clear, which is strange if it was further away, but then it abruptly stopped, and this was the last time we ever heard from Flight 19. It was 7.30 p.m. that the Navy dispatched a rescue team, PBM Mariner flying boat of 13 crewmen. It was flying around 20 minutes headed to the last known direction of Flight 19 when it, too, went silent. So the rescue plane went completely silent um, after they had flown out about 20 minutes later. So off the coast of Florida at 7.50 p.m., colors of amber 
silver and red flew across the sky with an explosion. Nothing but an oil slick was located by a passing merchant ship. No debris or bodies found. People from Jacksonville down to the Florida Keys had reported unexplained lights in the sky in varying colors from red, green to white. This phenomenon is a common occurrence after disappearances in the Bermuda Triangle. So the next day, now you have six aircrafts missing. The five original, the five original planes and then the one rescue. The next day, 300 boats and aircrafts were dispatched trying to find Flight 19 and now the Mariner plane that had gone missing. Five days was spent combing 300,000 square miles of ocean with absolutely nothing. 200 boats and planes were dispatched each day with no debris or bodies found in the search, which ended on December 5th. So they searched for five days, 200 boats each day. To this day, there has been no recovery or evidence of any kind to indicate what happened to the missing planes. Even though technology has been implemented like underwater cameras, sonar, bottom mapping of the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean from Florida to North Carolina. Also interesting is that 15 minutes after Flight 19 took off, another squadron of Avengers left the base to perform the exact same flight pattern without incident. So what the hell happened? Yeah. All told, six aircrafts and 27 crew members were never seen or heard from again. And this is the story that started the the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, Rumors spread for years about what could have happened to the six planes. In 1977, the movie The Close, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind portrayed Flight 19 as having been abducted by aliens, which of course started putting it in people's minds that extraterrestrials could be responsible for missing ships and planes in the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. So what the heck happened to Flight 19? I don't know, man. That's crazy. Like scuba divers, like they still try and and find wreckage at the bottom of the ocean floor. And in 2021, they thought they found some of the wreckage. It was co- it was completely different uh, planes. None of the serial numbers matched up or anything. So nobody knows what happened. Just weird lights in the sky and oil slit and it was gone. But no wreckage floating, no bodies, no nothing. That's super weird. It is super. So there are a ton of aircrafts that have gone missing, but planes are a modern invention. What about ships? And how long have ships been going missing in their Bermuda Triangle? This is obviously a tough question to answer because technology of the past makes it difficult to pinpoint exactly where and why ships had gone missing. Uh, But they have been going missing for hundreds of years. So there is part of the Atlantic Ocean called the Sargasso Sea, which according to the book Into the Bermuda Triangle by, I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing, I think it's Guillen Quasar, G-I-A-N, last name Q-U-A-S-A-R. He says that... It's plagued by deadly calms. Its warmer temperatures make the area high in evaporation, more stable, and less prone to wind. The Spanish became victims of the first when many of their galleons en route to the New World would lie becalmed, deprived of wind, and no strong currents to carry them out. So this area is part of what's known as the horse latitudes, if you're familiar with that area. Uh, This is 30 degrees north and south of the equator around the world, so it's not limited to the Bermuda Triangle. But it has very little wind wind. So especially ships of the past that had to depend on wind to sail, there is very little wind here. So it made ships struggle immensely to get out of this area. You would 
So, I mean, sometimes you'd just be stuck. So today, modern technology can get you through this strange, calm part of the sea. Um, But it's called the horse latitudes because it was very common to see bloated horses floating in the water because they had to just dump their horses due to the ships getting stuck in the area and there not being enough water to give to their horses. So they just had to dump them overboard. Um, That's so sad. Yeah, it's really sad. But ships would get stuck there for weeks in this very calm sea with no land in sight. Um, So this area exists in the Bermuda Triangle in the Sargasso Sea. Uh, It gets its name from the strange seaweed that floats around the area called uh, sargassum, uh, which is Portuguese for grape-like. Seaweed. Sargassum? Yeah. S-A-R-G-A-S-S-U-M. Sargassum. Like orgasm or... uh, Sarcasm? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, kind of sounds like, yeah, like if you merge the two words. Uh, So the seaweed indicated to the sailors, because this seaweed floats in the middle of this area, and seaweed is typically found near shore, except the sargassum seaweed, which floats in the middle of the ocean and can even look like land to sailors. So it misled a lot of sailors into either thinking it was land or that they were near land. So one of the first strange happenings in the Bermuda Triangle started with this is going to blow your mind hole, Christopher Columbus. In his logbooks, when he made his way through the Bermuda Triangle, he wrote about dancing lights on the horizon and flames in the sky and even that his compass was malfunctioning. Is that not freaking wild? Like Christopher Columbus, 1492, or around that time, was coming to America and freaking had an incident in the Bermuda Triangle. Easy, man. So why? So again, how many ships have had struggles there. Like Christopher Columbus probably was not the first. So odds are this has been happening for well over 500 years in the Triangle. Uh, But the first known missing ship was in 1780 uh, when the General Gates vanished. This was a U.S. warship. Uh, No other warships claimed to have engaged with this ship. So nobody claimed like, yeah, I sunk that ship or something like that. She just went missing. So this was back in 1780, the first recorded missing ship in the Bermuda Triangle. Another missing vessel was September 1799, the USS Insurgent warship, with 340 crewmen that just vanished. And they just logged it as lost at sea. Several ships. Wow. I mean, that's 340 families of, I don't know what happened, like no closure, no nothing. Yeah, that's nuts. So several ships went missing in the 1800s. One of the most famous one was carrying Aaron Burr's daughter, Theodosia Burr. Uh, She was on a ship called the Patriot. Um, If you remember Aaron Burr, okay, I'm just, if you don't know, remember from U.S. history, he was vice president to Thomas Jefferson, and he had gone on to have his famous duel with Alexander Hamilton, where he successfully shot and killed Hamilton. So a very well-known guy. Theodosia Burr boarded the Patriot December 31st. 1812 and would was supposed to sail to New York except no one on board the ship would ever be seen or heard from again and her disappearance was big news at the time because obviously she was the daughter of somebody very well known but she was also part of high society so she was only 29 years old uh, and Aaron Burr never saw his daughter again so several theories have floated around over the last 200 years from pirates to the British taking down the ship because war of 1812 but they never claimed any attack maybe a violent storm but whatever happened to Theodosia's ship 
will forever remain a mystery wrapped in the triangle. Another famous triangle story is the Rosalie in 1840. She had been sailing through the Sargasso Sea bound for New Orleans, and this article is what came out of the London Times. This is what the London Times reported November 6, 1840. So a singular fact has taken place within the last few days. A large French vessel bound to Hamburg to Havana was met by one of the small coasters and was discovered completely abandoned. The great part of her sails were set and she did not appear to have sustained any damage. The cargo composed of wines, fruits, silks, etc. was of very considerable value and was in most perfect condition. So just to summarize that, the people were not on the ship. The ship was found completely abandoned with fruit, wine, cargo. So that would probably not be pirates, things that were very valuable. So just the people were missing. So the captain's papers, so this is continuing on the article, the captain's papers were all secure in their proper place. The soundings gave three feet of water in the hold, but there was no leak whatsoever. The only living beings found on board were a cat, some fowls, and several canaries half dead with hunger. The cabins of the officers and passengers were very elegantly furnished, and everything indicated that they had only recently deserted. If one of them were found several article belongings to a lady's toilet together with a quantity of ladies wearing apparel thrown hastily aside, but not a human being was found on board. The vessel, which must have been left within a very few hours, contained several bales of goods addressed to different merchants in Havana. She is very large, recently built, and called the Rosalie. Of her crew, no intelligence has been received. So to this day, nobody knows what happens to, happened to the passengers of the Rosalie, only a ghost ship was found, and that is a complete mystery. That's insane. Like, where did the people go? Yeah, why can't we... That's just, that's insane. I don't know why we can't get an explanation for that, but... But, like, the ship didn't go missing, because if a ship goes missing, you can come up with a ton of explanations, but the people go missing and the ship is found with all of its cargo. What the hell? What happened? So one of the most famous mysteries in maritime history uh, was the Mary Celeste. This ship went to sail November 7th, 1872. She was going from New York Harbor to Italy. I think it was Genoa, Italy, but I didn't write down the whole thing. This wasn't a large ship, but she was carrying 1,700 barrels of alcohol. On board was a very experienced captain, Benjamin Briggs, and his wife, Sarah, along with their two-year-old daughter, Sophia. There were eight crew members along with them, so 11 people on board in total. Less than a month later, on December 5th, also weird, December 5th, because that's the same day that Flight 19 went missing, except like years years and years apart. Um, So December 5th, the Mary Celeste was also found abandoned. There was six month food supply on the ship. There was even rotting food on plates indicating that they just like up and suddenly left. That's creepy. There was one missing lifeboat, but no sign as to what happened on people uh, aboard the ship. Again, probably not pirates if all the cargo is there, but why did, it looks like they got on a lifeboat and they left. Where did you go and why would you leave your perfectly fine running ship? Yeah. There was some salt water that was found on the deck of the ship indicating that maybe a water spout had come over the ship, but of course we don't know what happened and why the ship was sailing alone. So a storm didn't come and sink the ship, so why would people evacuate? And nothing was stolen, so we can't say it was pirates. What's also creepy is the 
ship has a little bit of a past. Uh, Before it was called the Mary Celeste, it was the Amazon. Apparently, its first captain had become suddenly ill on the ship and died. And at another point, it had a collision in the English Channel with another ship. And its final owner, because it did have a several owners after it had been found, tried to deliberately crash it into Haiti for insurance fraud. But what happened to the original crew in 1872, we will never know. Wow. And this next one is a spooky one. This is an encounter with a ghost ship. So I love a good ghost ship story. So the, here. the Ellen Austin was a ship going through the Sargasso Sea. It had been foggy and fog is very common in the Bermuda Triangle. Um, it had been foggy when the crew came across a crewless ship that was fully stocked. Okay, so the Ellen Austin and its crew came across a ship that was sailing with nobody aboard. Not wanting to lose the opportunity for some free stuff, the captain had some of his crew board the ghost ship and sail side by side until they reached their destination. So the captain was like, hey, some of you guys get on this ship because free stuff and we'll just sail side by side and we'll just show up with more stuff. Unfortunately, a horrendous storm did come through which separated the two ships. But within a couple days, the Ellen Austin found the ship again, except nobody was on it. So the crew that he had put aboard that ship was gone. But the ship, again, was found abandoned. So the crew, he sent more of his crew to occupy the ship because maybe that storm threw his crew aboard. Like, I'm sure he's making up lots of reasonable explanations as to what happened. Some of the crew got thrown aboard the ship, so let me go have some other men occupy it, and we will sail. Um, Oh, I would be so hesitant if I was that next batch. Yeah, I do not volunteer myself for tribute. So after the second group of crewmen boarded the ship, a thick fog came between the two ships, separating them again. Once the fog cleared out, the ghost ship was gone. It completely vanished along with the crewmen, never to be seen again. This is some serious ghost ship stuff. Like, what the hell? I mean, it's just like the movie. The movie is Ghost Ship, right? Yeah, it's just like the movie Ghost Ship, where, like, it's just claiming souls. Like, that's what that feels like. It was dangling this carrot, like, look at all this cargo I have aboard. Board my ship. And then it kept disappearing with crewmen. That's so scary. This one, that that, that one just, like, really creeps me out. Yeah, that's that's a scary one. So another very famous missing ship was the HMS Atlanta. Uh, she was a 26-gun frigate. Uh, she be, uh, she was being utilized as a training ship, having departed from Bermuda with 290 cadets. So they were all babies, basically. And they were never seen or heard from again after departing from Bermuda. 290 young men in training in the military just vanished. Nothing, no debris, no bodies. And a bunch of family that had questions and they had no answer. That's really scary. One of the most well-known missing ships and our last missing ship for today is the USS Cyclops. So this ship was built in 1910 and ultimately was commissioned by the U.S. government to aid in World War I. So it's a 550-foot ship, completely state-of-the-art for the time, with radios to easily communicate, which that was a big deal for the time. And obviously, you can use the radios to call for help. So in addition to 306 crew members aboard, they were carrying 11,000 tons of manganese ore for the war effort. Um, It sailed off February 1918 and was last seen off the coast of Barbados in the Caribbean on March 4th. It was never seen again. 
Like I said, there were 306 crew aboard this massive ship. So that's a freaking big deal. And this is a huge ship to just go missing. And again, a lot of families to answer to. There were no SOS calls, no distress signals sent, no wreckage, no storm that could have sunk the ship, no bodies, absolutely nothing. And what's even more strange is the last message received from the USS Cyclops was weather fair all well is what they said. So an eerie last message seeing as the ship vanished after that. Literally people speculated giant squid or a sea monster just came up and grabbed the ship because of how like weird and mysterious like knowing the technology that was on board that nobody called for help that something just came up and grabbed the ship. So the US Navy's official statement was This disappearance of the ship has been one of the most baffling mysteries of the Navy. All attempts to locate her have having proved unsuccessful. So what's even more strange is that the Cyclops had two sister ships, the USS Proteus, I think it's Proteus, Proteus, um, and the USS Nereus, which went down the same path as the USS Cyclops years later, because they were World War II ships, but they were sister ships to the Cyclops. Both those ships went down the same path and both both went missing. So three sister ships following the same path, but about 20 20 years apart from each other, all three went missing in the Bermuda Triangle. That's wild. Like what the hell? So this is a drop in the bucket in missing ships. I literally would not be able to go over all of them, but there are hundreds of strange stories and missing ships. But there are people that have had experiences in the Triangle and live to tell the tale. So let's talk about a few of those. So this survival tale was a flight from Philadelphia to San Juan, Puerto Rico. This was July 8, 1999. So Continental Airlines was carrying 155 passengers one evening. It was a smooth flight. Air traffic control noted that there was no turbulence. The fastened seatbelt sign was not on since there was no predicted turbulence and the flight crew had just completed a meal service when all of a sudden a huge jolt hit the plane. Leslie Thomas, a cabin attendant, was picking up trays when all of a sudden the plane dropped 600 feet uncontrollably. Leslie, which I'm not sure if uh, Leslie is a man or a woman, so I'm just going to say they, them, was thrown to the ceiling and back down again after being in the air for about 10 seconds. Then Leslie stood up. The plane jolted again and dropped. This time Leslie hit their head so hard on the ceiling that they actually lost consciousness. There was no explanation for what had happened, but 71 passengers were injured on this flight, causing the pilot to call Bermuda for permission to land. Nobody knows what happened, but everybody survived. Wow. Something similar had happened previously in 1996 on American Airlines Flight 935. Again, supposed to be a smooth flight free from turbulence when the plane started going up and down so violently that a food cart went airborne and seriously injured a flight attendant. So the plane had to reroute to Bermuda also to land due to these weird unexplained events. So what the heck? Bermuda Triangle. Yeah. So both of these have no definitive explanation, but there have been known to be sudden violent winds in the Bermuda Triangle, uh, winds that are not predicted by meteorologists. Uh, They literally just happen, and some sailors have also lived to tell the tale. So this one is of a sailor. So one morning, Captain Chuck Willis was asleep in the morning of May 1998. Suddenly, dishes and glasses came flying out of the cabinet onto the floor, and was he was thrown out of his. 
bunk. A 20-foot wave suddenly hit their boat and sank it in less than two minutes. He and his crew, they all survived, and they were rescued after six hours of floating out in the sea, probably thinking, what just happened. Yeah. But this is not a strange occurrence to happen in the Bermuda Triangle. He found out later that the sea had been dead calm and then all of a sudden the winds picked up at 74 miles per hour. So very strange and sudden weather patterns. And it's believed that the Bermuda Triangle may have a completely different weather system. The next then what? Then, then like everywhere else, like it's got its own like biosphere or something. Wow. So the next story comes from Don Henry, an experienced boat captain. Uh, in 1966, he had a salvage company in Miami and he was tugging a barge at the time. And they were three days out of Puerto Rico headed towards Miami. So it was in the afternoon when all of a sudden... There was a large commotion from his crew that alerted him to something was going on. Uh, Henry looked at his compass, which was literally just going in circles. So just completely haywire. There was no communication over the radio. Nothing electronic was working whatsoever, even though they had backup generators. The generators weren't working either. He explained it like it was an electronic drain. Like just ever like the compasses went haywire and nothing electronic was working. And he didn't know it at the time, but he had a new case of 50 batteries that he just had purchased from Puerto Rico just three days before. They all were dead. He went out to check on the barge that they were tugging, but the sky caught his attention first. He said there was no division between the sky and the ocean, which sounds super scary and very trippy. Yeah. He said he looked down in the water and it was just foamy and it looks like milk. And that the sky was the same color of white. So you couldn't see the difference between the ocean and the sky. So scary. Then he looked out at the barge that they were pulling. And this was a 2,500 ton barge. And it had gone invisible. So he looked out and he could see the rope, but he could not see the barge. He said it was like a fog had gone over it or something. And he said his first thought was like, in 1966, people had heard of the Bermuda. Like they knew that weird things happened in this area and he was like I need to get the hell out of here like I don't want to be another statistic so he said that they literally went as fast as they could to get out of there but it's like they were being pulled back he said it was kind of like tug of war where they were like trying to pull forward but something was pulling them back finally when they got out of the area he said all the electronics turned on again including the generators Uh, the horizon was visible and the fog had gone he went onto the barge that they were tugging and he said it was very warm Not hot to the touch, but very warm, like it had just gone through some, like, activity or something. So uh, Don Henry and his crew survived to tell the tale, but they did not forget what happened that day out in the ocean. I'm sure they didn't. So we've talked a lot about strange occurrences in the Bermuda Triangle. So let's talk about some of the theories. So a fog that you hear about is a common sighting that goes along with strange occurrences in the triangle. Um, Some call it an electronic fog due to the fact that electronics, including compasses, don't function properly or don't function at all. Is this some kind of weird weather pattern, like what kind of fog would cause this? And I'm saying this as a person who knows very little about weather. I don't understand what kind of fog would just deem it non-functioning. Yeah. There have been reports of sudden deadly tornadoes, violent storms and winds that could be responsible for missing ships and airplanes. Like I said a minute ago, like does it have its own biosphere, which basically would give it its completely its own weather patterns and reasons why meteorologists can't predict the 
strange weather occurrences there. Of course, some people, they also call the Bermuda Triangle the Devil's Triangle, believing that the devil is just taking you directly to hell, that it's just a portal. Obviously, we can't talk about the Bermuda Triangle without talking about aliens. Is it a base for extraterrestrials? Does this account for the full-on vanishing and the the strange lights that people see? Like we said, close encounters of the third kind really married people to the idea that the Bermuda Triangle was related somehow to aliens. And it has a lot of reports regarding alien sightings, um, but some even believe it's just a portal to other planets. Is it part of a magnetic field? At the very least, there is a lot of magnetic malfunctions that has something to do with it. And we know that because of the compasses that have been happening for hundreds of years, that the compasses just start malfunctioning because compasses, they're magnetic. That's how they work. And the same anomaly happens in the Dragon Triangle, so in Japan, except there's a lot. I say except. We know the Dragon Triangle, like the Alaskan Triangle, is in the Ring of Fire, so it makes sense that there would be magnetic malfunctions, but there's definitely some kind of magnetic effect on magnetic devices in the Bermuda Triangle as well. That's undeniable. And so what we're about to talk about, or we're about to talk about it, but there's a lot of tectonic activity in the Mid-Atlantic Ridge. And we don't typically think of this as an area with a lot of tectonic activity because we always look at the Ring of Fire. So the Pacific Ocean and all the volcanic activity around there. Um, but the Mid-Atlantic Ridge also has its has strange magnet, magnetic energy and tectonic activity. So the National Geographic has come out and said that the Bermuda Triangle is the only place on Earth outside of the North Pole that points true north. So many compasses, especially compasses back in the day, point to magnetic north. So true north and magnetic north can actually have a 16 to 20 degree difference between the two. So ships and planes that have gone missing very well could be because the compass was pointing true north rather than magnetic north. So like flight 19, that could make sense as to why they started just veering off course because it was pointing true north rather than magnetic north. And Bermuda Triangle and the North Pole are the only two places on Earth that do this. Now, that does not explain the ghost ships and some of the other weird activity that goes on there, but it could explain some activity that goes on there. Um, So another theory is that the Bermuda Triangle sits on the lost city of Atlantis. Uh, Some people believe that the lost souls of Atlantis uh, attack the ships and airplanes. And even though I don't necessarily believe that the souls of Atlantis are attacking ships and airplanes, but again, going back... Back to the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, there's a lot of divergent plates, which divergent is plates pulling apart from each other in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. So this area has some of the deepest trenches in the world, and they have some, like, they have a lot of extreme drop-offs where it gets, you know, that, you know that look where you, like, not personally, because I would never do this because I'm really scared of the ocean, but you just see like black underneath or you see these trenches where like, I see land. And then there's this huge trench of nothing. Yeah. Um, yes, there's a lot of those in the Atlantic Ocean. So the seafloor of the Atlantic Ocean, according to the book Into the Bermuda Triangle, is one of the most unstable areas on Earth. So thousands of earthquakes happen on the ocean floor, which also causes magma to come out of the ocean. And it's even created 
created new islands. But could this possibly be what happened to Atlantis? Movement of tectonic plates can both create and sink islands. So even though we don't know if Atlantis is real or not, it was originally mentioned by Plato and resurfaced again in the 1880, the the story of Atlantis, not the actual island of Atlantis, uh, resurfaced in the 1880s. And then again in the 1970s, it was theorized that Atlantis was real and was swallowed up by the Bermuda Triangle. So that's a fun thought to ponder. Is Atlantis real and did the Bermuda Triangle swallow it up? Interesting. But... The tectonic activity could explain possibly why there's weird like magnetic energy in the area too. Um, And then lastly, uh, we talked about this during the Alaskan Triangle, the time warp. There was the story of the pilot that was headed to Miami and he traveled 100 miles in three minutes rather than 30 minutes. Uh, This was back in 1970. It was believed that he went through some sort of time tunnel because the time difference was real. That happened. We just don't know what caused it. But his description of what happened to the clouds They were swirling into like a tunnel-like formation, getting tighter and tighter that day. Um, It's similar to other flights that have survived the Bermuda Triangle and the Alaskan Triangle. So are aircrafts going through time tunnels? Are people ending up somewhere else in time or space? So what theory do you gravitate towards? For time warp? No, like the things that are going on in the Bermuda Triangle, like time warp, the tectonic activity, which I think is what I kind of, that would make sense to me if there's weird tectonic activity, like with the ship where he said you couldn't tell the difference between the sky and the ocean. Like to me, that could be tectonic activity. Like yeah. there was an earthquake underneath. It shook things up. Now Made it milky looking. Yeah, made it milky looking. I, I, I have no idea how that would affect all the electronics. But to me, yeah. it would make sense in like what it did to the ocean. Absolutely. Um, so I guess what we can possibly hope for is that technology continues to improve, allowing us to research the Bermuda Triangle um, and to better understand why it has the most amount of missing ships and planes. But also, I hope that technology allows us to better find wreckage. Um, because what I cannot fathom is the thought of outright disappearances. And I think that is what I find the most chilling about any of the triangles. When you hear the words, and they were never seen or heard from again. Like, no, you can't disappear. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, my brain is not going to wrap around that. It's such a chilling statement. And for the families to never know what happened to their husbands and brothers and sisters and wives and mothers and fathers, it is so unfair. Yeah, absolutely. So a couple of arbitrary anecdotes before we finish up. Uh, The Bermuda Triangle was not coined until 1964. It was coined by Vincent Gaddis in a magazine. So that's the first time they actually like defined the region. They knew weird things happened there, but it wasn't actually pointed into like a triangle or anything like that. Um, Another earned nickname for the Bermuda Triangle is the Limbo of the Lost uh, to acknowledge all the missing people that the region has taken. And to give all fairness to the Bermuda Bermuda Triangle, even though it has claimed many lives, it's also the most highly trafficked region in the world by plane and boat, which would equate to higher missing numbers of people, most likely. Yeah. Again, that's not explaining the weird ghost ships and stuff like that, that I'm literally, I'm not going to get over that. But that's it for today, folks. That is their Bermuda Triangle and some of the weird things that happen. I see your mouth moving and I don't hear words. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. My my foot was on the thing. The mute. Um, 
<laughs> you muted yes. yourself. I was like, I see you talking. No, that was really interesting. I also just realized I've never seen Close Encounters of the Third Mind. Kind. No, I kind of want to. Are you saying kind or mind? Because it's third kind. Kind. Okay. Kind. <laughs> you, you love that nasal voice where I can't quite make out your words. Sorry. So thank you guys so much for listening. This was a really fun one to research, um, but also made me super paranoid about ever traveling over or through the Bermuda Triangle. Yep. That'll be a scary day if you have to. Yeah. So if you haven't already, go follow us on Instagram at haunted.real.estate. And please, if you could rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform, we would be so appreciative. And if you would like to send us any recommendation, interesting real estate stories, you can email us at hauntedrepod at gmail.com. And if you've had some kind of experience with the Bermuda Triangle, we would love to hear about it. And if you were feeling generous and you would like to donate to the show, we do have a Venmo. It's just at hauntedre. Leave us a property that you'd like us to cover in the comments and tell us where you're from. And some of you guys have been doing that and we are so appreciative and know that we do write those down. We will get those episodes out. Uh, And lastly, if you're looking for an agent in the Houston market, give myself or my husband and partner Casey a try. We'd be honored to assist you in your home buying and selling needs. Just to not throw more info at you, you can still email email us at hauntedrepod at gmail.com and we will get you to the right place. We will see you again soon. Thank you guys so much. Have an amazing week. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We hope Lainey feels better so we can hear her voice more clearly (laughs) and see thee more nearly.